0: Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Podcast. It's me, Gentleman Joey. I'm gonna, I've started calling myself Gentleman Joey now, Dan. Do you like that?
1: I, I am a fan. All right. That's, that's me from now on. It's official. I'll have to start getting into my lexicon. Fair <laughs> enough.
0: Do you want one as well, or are you just going to stick with Dan?
1: Um, I think Dan's good. Okay. I, I, I get Mr. Dan a lot. I don't know oh. where that comes from, but Mr. Dan yeah. might, be, might be cool. Gentleman Joey and Mr. Dan is pretty good. I feel, like we, I feel like now we're finally coming into our own and really establishing, you know, what we need to establish for this. Well, podcast, yes, exactly. So. You know, a real
0: gentleman and a real mister, they, they take their time, they introduce themselves properly before, you know, they give you the warmth that you need. Well said. Well. <laughs> <laughs> of better myself. Uh, man, it, I, I was gonna ask how was your week, but man, it's good. It, it, it'll be so dated by the time that this comes out, all the craziness that happened in the world. It's felt which, like I lived a month
1: but we made it we're here
0: we did uh this i will date it a little bit this was the last week of uh new alex trebek jeopardy's yes and uh that
1: was that was the end of an era for sure i didn't get to watch it but i heard that they did have a nice little tribute to it, it
0: was very nice uh it was brief just like a little i thought they were gonna like preempt the wheel of Je- or of uh fortune rather but yeah no it was just a nice little something though it was fun and, and
1: it was good that's nice it's a yeah. good good thing
0: but yeah, I mean, I've just I'm, as long as I've been alive, that's that's been the Jeopardy. He's been the host.
1: Yeah, he's been the guy. I, I always like Jeopardy, but like I, I would always kind of catch it here and there. Like I never like was a consistent watcher, but I always enjoyed it. I always like I'm I'm a big trivia guy in general. Yeah. Well, so that's what's like, so great about it. Yeah. It's just it's
0: so accessible. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of would go in spells. I'd have nice like streaks and then dip out for a little bit. Mm. It, it, they, I wish they would have made it more accessible in the streaming era.
1: I think well, like it was it now on Netflix or something like that? It was on Hulu,
0: but it was like a couple seasons behind, whereas it should have okay. been like, you know, maybe up the next day, I think. Yeah. That makes more sense. Got, makes too much sense, right?
1: Yeah. It's all about money. <laughs> I, think, I think that's it. At the end of the day, that's what it all comes back to and, and how it comes back. They even use money on Jeopardy. How fucked up is that? Exactly, right? It's just it's again, it's all money, man. Big big dollar, huh? Yep. Dollars it's, and cents. They're just trying to give us that blank check. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i wish it's true we'd be what was that guy preston banks wasn't that his name wasn't it
1: no i was gonna say preston myers but that's from can't hardly wait what is his name preston i think preston is the first name i think that's right as long as it's preston like that's pretty good preston's a good name it's funny because i went to the wikipedia and
0: it said it released in the united kingdom as blank check but spelled with the q u e (laughs) (laughs) amazing that was totally worth pointing out preston waters aka mr mcintosh mr mcintosh
1: along with karen duffy yes karen duffy miguel ferrer uh, tone loke the the amazing tone loke probably tone loke's best
0: role maybe other than surf ninjas ace ventura yeah, okay, all right. He's pretty, if we're, ta- he's pretty all right. Awesome. If we're talking like great movies. But,
1: <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say, that might be his, his 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 best role.
0: You know what I mostly remember about Ace Ventura now is just because it was such a popular movie when I was a lad, I could quote it and, and had a nice little uh, James Carey impression at the mm. go. In the beginning, he ca- he gets that dog, he gives it to that lady, and then uh, she takes his pants off and she gives him a blowjob. Mm. That that didn't register for me when I was a little kid. I was just like, oh, she took his pants off and I'm like got all crazy just going all
1: around it's so got... funny that you thought about that because i had that same reaction uh when i watched it like you know it was just something uh, you moved <laughs> yeah, past yeah, and I like... watch
0: this with my parents and we're all just like laughing and it was just like there was a blowjob there no one wanted to point that out yep do something about that that and uh forrest gump when he uh touches uh what's her name's breast and he comes in his pants yes and i didn't realize that either i was just like oh i just was really excited about that boner huh
1: yeah, there's there's so many things that I watch. I think about what I watched, or I just did not get, in. and years later, you're just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, okay, I'll need to rewatch Blank
0: Check and see what I missed in that one.
1: Yeah, I have not watched that in a long time.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do an episode.
1: Yeah, just a, su- uh, a surprise bonus episode. We'll find a way to paint it in a noir light. There's some intrigue in that movie. There's some deception. There's crime. There's crime. crime? Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's 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 some elements in there we could we could make like i think that's what it's going to come to it's like we'll do a side one where it's where we argue movies that aren't considered noir where we argue that they actually in fact are when we've watched enough of the good ones and we're like all right yeah. we gotta bring in some writers <laughs> yeah now now we really have to stretch it <laughs> like roadhouse we have to really stretch roadhouse into into no
0: i think at the very least we should promise roadhouse is like the last episode yes in a way like you should hope we never get to roadhouse but you know
1: we just might
0: and maybe by being last episode, by, like, it becoming, like, a phoenix and we rise into something else. That would be my dream. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's so tough because, like, you want, you're doing this, you're just, like, talking movies, which is a great time. And, and you want to, even, like, there's other, like, not really noir movies, like, neo-noir, you know. Yeah. That, there's so much of those great ones that you want to find a way to bring in. Like, when do we decide the cutoff of this was? 65? Yeah, I think 65. I think I, think that's, I yeah. have one, like in particular, I've been waiting to bring in, which will come soon. That's like right on that cutoff.
1: I, I think I might have a guess on what it might be. Yeah, you do. I've, I've mentioned it, but yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Cause I think at that, after that point, then it starts, once it gets to seventies and eighties, that's that I would consider that like neo-noir that's like when that kind of, I mean, even out. like late sixties, like is, yeah,
0: it can, it has a change for sure. I mean like the entire film industry changed. I mean, I think that's what you kind of try to keep in mind.
1: It was all spy movies then yeah <laughs> that's, that's all it was Every, once james bond hit everyone was like oh let's make a spy movie because that's what pe- that's what the people want now
0: i uh i heard on uh i turned on my car yesterday mm. and xpn was on uh barry gibb was doing an interview he has a new album out where he does duets with people really yeah um like of his songs like i believe he does uh words with dolly parton okay yeah yeah, yeah. But I think that's the most content. Like you know, there's some there's some crazy ones in there. Nothing too wild, but there's there's some duets. where you are like, okay. But he spoke, you know, doing an interview, and he sounds just like Michael Caine now. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. I I now now I'm thinking about it. Like, I, I watched that documentary, the the B. Yeah, it didn't it didn't click
0: for me when I watched it then. Yeah. But it it as soon as I heard it it made perfect sense
1: yeah like i can hear it a little bit yeah like i wasn't i didn't i didn't necessarily think about that at the time when i was watching i mean which it was it was still an entertaining documentary still very good um, oh, yeah, but, yeah. um but yeah i didn't think about that it's interesting
0: i'm not sure if we discussed that on the podcast or one of the the pre-year post shows that we do for each other
1: i feel like we should just we should talk about BGs every episode, so I feel like it's it's okay. It's okay. It should come up at some point organically. Someone
0: definitely should do a, a, like a very in-depth podcast on them because that was the only complaint. Of that it was just there was too much story and certain eras. Just I mean, really every era only had a limited amount of time when it really could have been, you know, gone into further.
1: Yeah, I think they definitely. Kept going to i think we might have talked about it but yeah i mean staying alive the soundtrack they didn't even mention right. that And that was the last thing they did for rso so I, I feel like you know that would have been something they would at least mention that was the last yeah. thing they did with robert stigwood
0: no they just kind of like painted it like where once disco was over they were over and it was there's a little more
1: to it than that and, like, and it, it, it's the 80s hey we're done hey we're done <laughs> we're, yeah there's nothing worthwhile
0: happening now
1: no more disco no more disco and now disco is
0: alive and thriving more than ever.
1: I mean, people never stop shaking their boots. Nope. Dance music is, is here. And yeah, I mean, even here, like, I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm going to say it, I'm a big Dua Lipa fan. So, yes, it, you, and you hear the influence in her music, you hear it in others. So, it's, yeah, uh, I mean, personally, I'm a big fan of disco. So, like, I, I think the, you know.
0: Last year, uh, Kylie Minogue came out with a new album oh. disco. That was really good.
1: Yes. Good call.
0: It's crazy how we've been dropping like I did less than Jake reference last episode. Like I don't know if we're doing kind of everything but what we mainly listen to, but that's all right. You're learning about us.
1: Exactly. You're, the you're real us. There's there's a lot of sides to us. I think that's I think that's what it is. I think
0: listen listen to our bands and record labels to find out, you know, what we put out there to be Mr. Cool.
1: But secretly. You wanna know the undercurrent, come to the Noir
0: podcast. We're gonna tell you secrets.
1: Yep, this is where all the secrets come out. Shh.
0: i did that to the mic i hope it got it
1: (laughs) i think it came across pretty good
0: speaking of secrets let's tell the secret of laura shall we
1: oh i can't wait one of my (laughs) all-time favorites i love this movie
0: i uh i both love this movie and don't love this movie
1: really i uh
0: i think it's a great mystery movie i think it's overrated as a noir movie
1: interesting okay
0: but it is it's a it's just it's very well done um yes yeah
1: yeah definitely
0: it's just I, I don't know I get, it's always just kind of hyped as a noir movie and um, I mean that's why we're doing it and, and the elements are there but and it but it's one of those subtle ones and and in many ways it's too subtle uh, but we'll get into it
1: yeah I mean it's definitely like a murder mystery I mean I think it, yes. it's it, I think that's at its core and and obviously like there's a whole and it's a love it's a aspect
0: great murder mystery like, yes I, I don't want to say I don't like this movie it's just there's something about it that, that uh, it seems like it's being sold as something else. That's all.
1: Well, it does say it right here on the back of the Blu-ray. It says this gripping and lushly photographed film noir. Yes, it's, it's, that, that's how that's how it starts. So at least on the Blu-ray, they're, they're telling you. They're saying, "Hey, we're think, telling you this is a film noir."
0: I think if there wasn't a, a detective in it, I'm not yeah. sure that it would ever be marketed as such.
1: I was thinking about that when we were, when I was watching. I think this is the first time we've watched like that stereotypical like hard-boiled detective like coming in and, 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 you know, like a Philip Marlowe yeah. or Sam well, I mean, Spade type character. We always in. knew we'd get to lore because it yeah. is
0: one of your favorites and it is a great movie. Um, yes. But I, I, we had asked kind of, we we're talking about like, you know, what we were doing next. And it was like, we hadn't really done a detective one yet, which is kind of one of the big tropes of noir, if not the biggest. hmm and, and this one had come up and uh, I mean, we did what was marketed to us by 20th century Fox. We, we fell for the, the noir aspect because of the detective.
1: They'll get you every time.
0: Every time during Fox and their still, movies, still its own entity at this point, not owned by Disney, the good news.
1: Yes. Trying to hang uh, on. The
0: film is based on Vera Casperi's 1943 detective novel, Laura, which was originally serialized in seven parts a year earlier in Collier's magazine under the title, Ring Twice for Laura. People like to ring with these movies. And twice. Sure. And twice, yeah. <laughs> Never a third ring, but, you know, we're the podcast yep. that dares to ring three times. We'll get uh, the sound
1: effects in there of, of just of doorbells ringing three times. Ring,
0: ring, ring. That'll be the new theme song.
1: Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, I sorry like the that. old one.
0: Uh, so for the book club, you should seek that out. Um, it's told in five parts. And each one was from a different character's point of view, which did not survive for this movie. During the Depression, like many Americans, the author found herself becoming more interested in socialist causes and eventually visited Russia to study further communism, but found herself quickly disillusioned around Stalin's pact with Adolf Hitler. And she left the party, though they tried like hell to keep the keeper, reluctantly calling it a temporary leave of absence. Wow. When Vera Kasperi moved back to Hollywood, she began work on Laura, and it was immediate, an immediate hit. And every director who read it wanted to put it to stage or screen, but it had a a tough time finding financing. Uh, Otto Preminger, who directed the movie, had got a hold of it, and he bullied executive Daryl Zanuck at 20th Century Fox into buying the rights, and he was able to convince him that the production would be inexpensive. By this point, Vera Kasperi was tired of shopping it around, and she took a bad deal for it, which was ironic, because she had once said that, quote, once a writer sells a story to Hollywood, they can kiss it Goodbye. She would also later say that, quote, my agent wrote one of the worst contracts ever written. I signed it as carelessly as a $5 check. As I would be reminded in restaurants and parking lots, I had signed away a million dollars. Who would have thought that a film for which all its elegance was not expensive, whose stars were not then considered important, and who would become a box office smash and a Hollywood legend. Wow. It was originally going to, uh, well, it was in progress being directed by Ruben, mammalian yeah Uh, he was hired to direct after several others had turned it down and uh, he immediately ignored all of Otto Preminger's producer's notes and began to rewrite the script Uh, he disliked Preminger's choice of Clifton Webb as Lidecker and virtually ignored him during filming and he gave the stars Gene Tierney and Dana Andrews who are still pretty new to Hollywood at this point very little support by all accounts, his direction wasn't uh, subtle, which was exactly what Otto Preminger envisioned when he took on the project. So he was able to further bully Daryl Zanuck at Fox and had Mamalian fired. Uh, they were two weeks into filming at that point.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think I heard that. that yeah, there, I didn't know who the director was, but I heard that the original director got fired pretty early on. So after that,
0: uh, Preminger hired a new cinematographer and a scenic director and replaced the portrait of Laura. Um, originally, it was uh, painted by the director's wife, but Preminger had it replaced with an enlarged photograph and then uh, of Tierney and then lightly dabbed with oils to give it the ethereal effect he wanted. Interesting. Gian and Tierney never really seemed to be too thrilled with the project right from the beginning. Um, and it also took some time for the cast to warm up to Preminger as director, Uh, who were led by the departing Mamolean that he was just coming on board because of his dissatisfaction with the actor's performances rather than that director's shitty direction. Preminger was a demanding director, which is pretty famous of all of his his work, but understandably so in this case because uh, two weeks had been wasted at this point. Everyone was pretty exhausted by his hard work ethic, but they respected him and the results that they were getting. And Jean Tierney was happy to play ball, but she never... uh, Yeah, like I said, she never really seemed too thrilled with the film, even from the script stage. Uh, She kind of did the movie because she was under contractual obligations. And she would later say, quote, I never felt my performance was much more than adequate. I am pleased that audiences still identify me with Laura as opposed to not being identified at all. Their tributes, I believe, are for the character, the dreamlike Laura, rather than any gifts I brought to the role. The filming was completed within its projected timetable, and it was only uh, over budget at 1.2 1.2 million, just a little bit. Over. Just a little bit, yeah. Just a little yeah. bit. Daryl Zanuck was unhappy with the first cut and insisted on a new ending, uh, which had Lidecker imagining the whole story. But after a disastrous screening, Zanuck caved and allowed Preminger his original ending, saying, quote, this is your success, I concede. Director Otto Preminger and star Dana Andrews would reunite a year later, filming after filming Laura for 1945's Fallen Angel, another noir film. Great. Have you seen that one? You've seen I have. It? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that one more officially noir than this one? Another arguable film. All right. Sounds like we'll get to I it. Think it is. I,
1: I think it is. I think it is. I think it's. It could be just the the atmosphere that preminger has. I think maybe maybe the, his his direction, his vibe. But I I would consider it noir. Okay. And and it's. I think it's funny. I think I have it on. It's only on DVD. And the DVD it says like film noir series. So I feel like it's again like the 20th Century Fox is telling you like, yep. We're telling yep. you, this is a no who, art. Who else is going to want this but you suckers? Exactly.
0: Yeah, well, I will have to check it out. Uh, I feel like I may have, the title sounds so familiar. but It's I cool.
1: Just, I, can't I, I mean, I like it. I remember liking it. It's been a, it's been a while, but yes, I, I, do, I do remember liking it.
0: Preminger would also direct Robert Mitchum and Marilyn Monroe in the Western on a raft film River of No Return, released mm-hmm. in 1954. Uh, the stars Dana Andrew and Gene Tierney would also come together once again four years later in the anti-communist film The Iron Curtain. Hmm. I don't know that one. Not a noir. And much of the success of this film could be attributed to the music. Laura's theme was very famous and it was composed by David Rackson.
1: Love this theme. Otto Preminger
0: originally wanted to use Sophisticated Lady by Duke Ellington, uh, who, fun fact, he did our theme. The Mooch is by Duke Ellington, is our theme song. But Raxon was against this. Alfred Newman, a music director at Fox, agreed and convinced Preminger to give Raxon a weekend to come up with something. A pissed off Preminger relented, but he said he'd fire him if he blew it. David Rackin was lucky enough to be left by his wife on this serendipitous weekend, and uh, she left him a Dear John letter. So he was bummed out enough to take it to the studio, and he delivered the goods, and him and Preminger worked together for four additional films afterwards.
1: I also heard that um, I was watching a documentary about Gene Tierney. And I, I remember him saying that uh, he also, when he was creating the, the music for it, he uh, had a picture of Gene Tierney and was like, and that helped to inspire. It just goes of like her beauty and just like, you know, the vibe is that's how he was also influenced in, in creating the music, which I thought was interesting.
0: That sounds like a story Gene Tierney would, would tell about herself.
1: Well, it wasn't about herself. I, that was it was it, it was a uh, one of those like Annie Peter Graves documentaries. So I don't no, I,
0: I believe it. I'm just saying that's funny. It's like, oh, it was like, "Oh, my my picture helped with the, the song." Yeah. People demanded the release of the single and the sheet music after and it got famously snubbed at the Oscars that year. It would become a jazz standard recorded by more than 400 artists. Wow. When Hetty Lamar was asked why she had turned down the part of Laura, she said, they sent me the script, not the score. That's a good quote. Yes, it is. That's all
1: I got. Very cool. Laura. I, I, I will say this, that if for nothing else, there are some great character names in this movie. I mean, Waldo Lidecker alone is a great- Waldo Lidecker
0: is one of the greatest names of all time. And, yes. um, and Clifton Webb is great. Um, he had been, hadn't been in film since the 30s from the silent films. And um, this is kind of his big comeback. Yeah, he was, he was fantastic in it. Wonderful. Um, him and uh, Vincent Price are the, the greatest. I, I find all the side characters way better and way more interested, way more engaged in this film than the, the main characters.
1: You mean you didn't like Dana Andrews playing with like the little puzzle game that he would always play with? I, that, that was actually the, probably the only cool and interesting thing about him. Uh, I did like that quirk. I, whether that's yeah. in the book or not, I don't know. But I, I, like, I like that touch. Something you confiscated in a raid on the kindergarten. Takes a lot of control. Would you like to try it? No, thanks.
0: My uh, my, my note for that was uh, that those were the original smartphones, Pocket Baseball. <laughs> i remember they... having one of those as a kid. They were a good time. I mean, yeah. not that one in particular, but, you know, just ball in a hole type thing.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. You know, he used it as a device of, you know, he would kind of, he'd be in these, like, really tense, heavy, maybe scenarios, and he'd be thinking and talking a lot, and then he would just whip out this game in the middle of it and start playing it's like oh it relaxes me and and it would just kind of i guess whatever he needed to kind of center him
0: too um, relaxed uh yeah he's a turd in this movie i, I hate Dan andrews
1: his performance sucks so much yeah I, I wonder if that's him or the character i
0: i, I don't know like i, I haven't pro- seen enough of his films but like like gene tierney i i have seen other movies and she's mm-hmm. great um leave her to heaven which you recommended and will absolutely get to is phenomenal and she's yes wonderful in it
1: where the sidewalk ends is also it's it's a preminger with both dana andrews and gene tierney and that may be my favorite role of his i think he's excellent in that and that's another that is a film noir and that one i would definitely highly recommend hopefully at one point we get to cover but yeah he uh he plays like a i won't get too much into it but he plays it really well he plays it really well i mean possibly by then you know
0: because they they were so new to hollywood at this point like he kind of got more in the groove and especially working with the same cast and crew right helps like that was I
1: 1950 i think 50 or okay, 51 yeah. so yeah so, a little bit
0: later five six years later yeah. yeah i should hope you know what you're doing by then but yeah it, he it does nothing for me in this role this movie's weird because you're you're rooting for a cop which i don't like
1: yeah and i well at least i like i was thinking about it more so of how it the movie starts off with the narration so you're getting the usually the narrator you're thinking that's going to be the perspective you're going to have the entire film but in this case it, it has the narration early on with with Lidecker, and you're thinking, okay, maybe he's he's telling the story he really cares and really loves about, loves Laura. And Dana Andrews' character comes in to start trying to interrogate him about you know Laura's uh, supposed death. And then it transitions, and then it it, it seems like it, it kind of the camera kind of follows some different people, but mostly Dana Andrews' character. It kind of yeah. ends up following him, and 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 I guess in in the sense of you know he's the one trying to solve the mystery. So I got, I obviously got like the you know, that tension and that drama is, is really what's motivating the camera following him or the story following him. Um, but I thought that was interesting that, it, it, you know, the narration starts with just Lidecker and then doesn't really have much narration after that.
0: I know. I mean, I, I, that was a strength of it. I, I love that beginning with Lidecker. Where he's in the tub. <laughs> he's in the tub. And that was a, a fun fact I was reading um, that, like, he, because... Clifton Webb had been out of acting for so long and he saw the dailies of that and had to see himself in the, the tub, kind of frightened by it. And yeah. Wasn't very fond of, understandably so. But yeah, it, it was. it's a room that has a, a bathtub, like a literal bathroom.
1: Yes. Giant open room with like windows. You know, it's up up. You know, a couple of floors up. It looks like, but and you look, but you have these giant open windows that can just see right in. Yeah, that, so. I
0: love it. He's just talking, You know, uh, so the the New York City Police Department detective Mark McPherson, mm-hmm. played by Dana Andrews, uh, he's investigating a murder of Laura. She's an advertising executive mm-hmm. of high society at this point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, she was killed by a shotgun blast to the face. Yes. Uh, Just inside the doorway of her apartment. It's it's such a brutal note, but I mean, very important as we'll, we'll see later on. Um, So he goes right to Waldo Lidecker and yeah, so he's in the tub and I love that. Just, yeah, he's talking to a cop from the tub again. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? I'm
1: rich. He's he's going about his business writing with his uh, little quill or whatever he's writing with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and he's such a, he's such a dick the whole time, um, but he's so charming and just like a confidence to him is really what it is. And his passion Um, for Laura, I I think really that's like the only thing that you see as as much as like they try to paint him in the idea that he is like this, like very proper and like very just like, you know, singular person. He doesn't really associate with a lot of people. He's very, you know, maybe egotistical. He's a journalist. He writes these columns and he's very nasty and disparaging against people uh, and people listen to him. I mean, he has a radio show too. So people, you know, uh, really pay attention to his opinions and he kind of, you know, rebuffs a lot of other people but he ends up kind of being entranced by Laura, which I think pretty much every character, you know, all, all the, the male characters in this film really are become entranced with her. Uh, yes. And that's a big thing about this movie.
0: Sure, you should hope so. I mean, it's yeah. the title of the movie. Exactly. It's Laura. It's all about, all about her.
1: Quite a dame. So yeah, we
0: go to the flashback and he's kind of telling how they met and so he's at a restaurant and Laura comes in trying to average, get him to sign off on a pen to to endorse it, yeah. Endorse it for his column, which is pretty crazy because he endorses nothing. He
1: says he doesn't even like pens. Yeah he's just trying to eat his lunch you know like you know totally understandable actually <laughs> like <laughs> he's not trying to get you know ad ad people trying to you know yeah, not him. even like
0: hey, can i get an autograph big fan it's like no no no. I, I want you to endorse
1: something yep she pulls out that giant ad and and like kind of shoves it in his face and he's trying to eat his salad what is he eating i don't even know what he was eating i was i was too i think i was too focused on gene tyranny
0: <laughs> it's true i was too focused on that salad if there was one um she why does why, why does she leave
1: she i think she's so disgusted that is that he, what it is he, like he, she's he, like he, ah
0: fine yeah but like
1: like he's so he's just so dismissive of her that he she's like she's disgusted she's like all right fine i'm out of here which makes him feel guilty yes he starts to feel guilty yeah
0: he starts to feel guilty and he, he tracks her down at her advertising firm
1: yep at her work
0: and he goes in and he's just like goes to some guy. He's like, "Hey, can you tell me where Laura is?" And she's right there, like in pure sight, like they're in eye line yeah. of coming off the elevator and just right at her desk. Like
1: he's like, "Announce me." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. just Go announce me, <laughs> boy. Waldo Lydecker to see Miss Laura Hunt. Announce me. Or you can just go walk over. to I mean, it's the partly of the times, but still, it's like. Dude, you're right there. You could just go over there. <laughs> you've, already, you've already walked in without necessarily... You, you talked to the receptionist and she said, wait a moment. And you just completely walked past all of that anyway and did whatever you wanted to do. Yeah,
0: totally. I mean, this is the Lidecker way. He's the coolest. He yeah, when you
1: got a name like Waldo
0: Lidecker, I guess you Waldo can Waldo ticket. Exactly. You're on a gravy train with Biscuit Wheels, baby. Yep. And so he's like, yeah, I'll sign for your pen. You're the greatest. I love you. I'm infatuated with you already. So they become kind of they're friends like companions if you will mm-hmm. platonic uh even though he clearly loves her and she starts to rise the ranks of, of high society in new york yep.
1: and she her, her she moves up in her work as well so it's not only yeah. high society but she gets you know multiple promotions at her at her job as well because of it
0: exactly the the train we all wish to ride
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep she she made her way up eventually she meets
0: oh and i also i don't know if we've already passed the scene but uh he put, uh, in the, after the bathroom, when he's like talking to, to Dana Andrews, Lidecker, he puts on a great pair of very loose, high-waisted pants. Oh,
1: yes. There's, I mean, that and, and also the, in, I guess, comparison to uh, Vincent Price, who I think even had larger, wider pants. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but there's a scene where all three of them are standing when they're, when they're uh, going to see uh, Laura's aunt. Um, it, when they're trying to to solve the the uh, the mystery, uh, all three of them are standing in a row. I'm like, wow, there's some there's some pants going on right now in this, in the, in this <laughs> what scene. A, what a trope! Yes, but it all comes back to the high the high waisted pants and the, the very baggy wide pants too. Some wide pants for sure in this film.
0: You know, at that point, you know, Depression era post, you're, you're keeping all your money in your pants. You can't trust anybody. Yeah
1: under the bed just doesn't do it anymore yeah i i don't know i don't i mean i'd be interested to see the why that trend was really the thing if that really was the case or like just well i mean i'm gonna take a guess right Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) these are supposed to be high
0: society people you know rich richie's yeah high society high pants high society high pants well also i mean like you know maybe it was the, the more fabric you had it showed you could afford a lot of fabric i could buy that
1: yeah yeah
0: I, i'm i'm just guessing that but that if i'm trying to shut someone up that's what i would tell them
1: stay stay tuned for our our other side podcast where we talk about fashion <laughs> from this era <laughs> i mean this secretly is our
0: fashion podcast
1: yes yeah i feel like it, at the yeah. end of the day it always comes back to that but there's a lot of great fashion in film noir i, I i'm really i think is. that is one thing that i I love about it i love about the era just some some of the outfits are, are great i'm oh, yeah. I'm definitely a fan of it
0: dynamite that, that's why there's so many iconic moments a lot of times it's because of that and uh we're lucky that Preminger came aboard and, and fired the original customer because pants could have were big enough. <laughs> they weren't they high were, enough yeah. and they weren't big enough. I need higher I need wider, baby.
1: He
0: was Australian, Preminger, so... I, I... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he probably sounded more like
0: that. So at this point, we, we meet Shelby Carpenter, played by Vincent Price. Another great name. Great name, great performance, the greatest performance. Vincent Price himself considered this his best performance, and rightfully so.
1: I think so, because obviously it's it's definitely against, you know, what, you know, the type that he would come to later be more known as. So I, yes. I, I thought, I think that's interesting too. And yeah, I think he plays great. He's definitely, his performance is one of my favorites in the film.
0: It just shows how um, misused he was. I mean, I know a yeah. lot, it, it seems like a lot of it was his own path as well, but.
1: I think like he, had a, he had a nice dynamic though. I think between, you know, you, you see like the kind of like worminess of him and like, he is kind of like this, like, conniving kind of guy. And even like in the small scenes where he like first meets Laura at a party and he's trying to kind of like show his interest in her. And then he goes into the kitchen and the, you know, the one, the the, the cook that's in there that, that he knows and he's like being flirtatious with her. And he's she's a flirt, of, yeah. Yeah, he's very, very flirtatious. So Louise,
0: for the last time, will you marry me? I won't, but I saved some chicken livers for you. Oh, you're an angel. And the cook says that she saved him chicken liver.
1: Yes. That was, he was a good ex- thing. He was very excited about that for some reason. I don't. I do wouldn't like, be. But do you like chicken liver? I like chicken, but I don't think I've ever had chicken liver. Have you had any I, kind of liver? No, not I that have, I can recall. I, I don't think I have either. It just it just doesn't sound appetizing to me. <laughs> not at I don't know. I did think about I did think about that though. I was like I was like, what do you
0: think the most appetizing liver is? I don't think there is one.
1: Fair enough. I I, I can't I can't like it. Just it sounds gross. Like I don't the like adding that to a word of maybe a food I do eat, it, I don't think makes that word any better to me. It doesn't sound any more appetizing to me.
0: I think it's probably whoever livered the best life.
1: <laughs> I should've known that, I, I, I should've saw that coming and, and I didn't and- I, I should've saw it coming, I just
0: came up with it. It was
1: tough. Yeah, it was I was good. sitting here the whole time, what am I gonna say for liver? It was good. Thank you,
0: thank you very much. She just met it's a Price. Mm. When does Vincent Price get questioned?
1: So he gets questioned when Dana Andrews is going over to Laura's aunt's house with Lidecker.
0: And is that when we get the story of how? Okay. Yes. Right.
1: So because so, he, remember, he comes out of the, the back room and he's like, oh, I was, you know, I was taking a nap because I couldn't get, I haven't been sleeping much because of after the death and in my hotel, there's all kinds of reporters and, and police. And I just, I wanted to get, get some sleep here. And you think something might be weird about the fact that he's at uh, Laura's aunt's house.
0: The, the funny part is I just watched this movie an hour ago, finished watching it an hour ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really? I, I, wa- I watched it. Uh, I've been watching Friday nights. I, I feel like it's a nice thing to, you know, a- end of the week for me. It's like after, after all I've been through in this week, it's nice to kind of sit down and just watch a good old noir. No, it really, really ties it feeling. all off for
0: sure. I've been doing the same thing, but for whatever reason, I just I wasn't able to. Pull this off. I was I was binging something.
1: You're watching the Last Action Hero. It's okay. But I was
0: thinking about the name Laura, and it was funny. I like had a dream about a
1: girl I went to school with named Laura. Really? Yeah. So it made it in my my dreams. Interesting. Yeah. You had it on. You had it on your mind, and, and that's how, yeah. it, how it happened. Had a nice school flashback. I have so many. I have too many school dreams. Like like or like about my old job. Like that. Those are like the two main things. Like I'm either in, back in school again. Or I'm at my old job. Those are like the two main things that are always in pretty much all of my dreams.
0: I used to have like really bad school dreams especially in my 20s but thankfully they've calmed down slash I started smoking more weed and dreams have gone <laughs> away.
1: Where did my dreams go man? Where did they go man? Oh yeah
0: well I didn't mean on that level but oh boy boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Vincent Price Shelby Carpenter he's, he's, yeah he's like a flirt he's kind of like he's not He's able to uh, be in this in the high society. I'm going to keep saying that just because it seems era appropriate, especially.
1: It does. Um, but he kind of learned that he's like a you know he's he, con, not like it, a con it, artist, but he's he's not what he says he is. Yeah, because of you know
0: his flirtatiousness has gotten them there. He's he's a right. he's a kept man. Um, he's, a, he's a charmer. He's a charmer. He's charmed his way in there into a, a nice bedroom and and God bless him. How could he not? He's from where did he say he's from? Kentucky, I Louisiana. Don't somewhere yeah somewhere yeah somewhere further out somewhere where he's got a bit they're trying to explain that vincent price voice i mean where is vincent price from maybe he is a southern gent isn't he he's not is he british he's american um yeah he's from st louis missouri oh so tough call missouri is a tough accent
1: yeah i say i don't know if i could pinpoint that accent
0: yeah i mean there's like a little something there but it's not enough where it's it's noticeable you can't mock them really like you can other accents
1: not like south jersey accents <laughs> for instance like i get that all the time Where I, you know, if when you're when you talk like that you don't get it and then when you hear it sometimes or someone points it out you're like oh yeah i, I do kind of say that a little bit weird
0: you? i miss most of the things but i mean the, there's little things in this area
1: water water is it? water ice yeah
0: that's fucking ridiculous <laughs> how hard is it to say water
1: well, I think it's because like, I'll say it without thinking about, it. you know, it's like, it's like, yeah. you, you know, it's water, but it almost seems like it's too much work to say that. So you're just like, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna go out and get some water ice. Like, it, you don't even process that you're saying it, it does sound kind of weird when you say it. It
0: sounds like a person who's careless. They're, they're not thinking about uh, your conversation and, and what it means to them. Exactly. Especially you about should, water ice. You shouldn't trust them. You should try to find a way to make everyone you meet say water and then take it from there.
1: Yes, that's a good, like, litmus test for Take it.
0: my advice, who I have not lived it, because here I am talking to this motherfucker, talking water over here. <laughs> and still being like, let's keep doing a podcast.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like I've, I've maybe hid it from you for a while now. So now it's, I think it's coming out more so now.
0: It's true. I mean, it also hasn't, like, come up naturally.
1: That's true. Yeah, I feel like I'm not. I'm not probably as bad as maybe like like I feel like other words maybe not. But I think water ice is probably my 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 worst I'm, fault. I'm pretty charmed by it. I'll be honest. I'm. I'm. Uh, going it's growing on you. I, it, it's always been there because it's just like
0: adorable. You know, it's just like Thank oh, you. you think that's a word? Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's I'm also sure. fun to say. It is. I mean, I I can't. I feel like if I said it, it'd be like like faking a British accent or something. Right, like, it sounds
1: too, like, jokey, yeah.
0: Hey, guys, water, uh, You know, like, yeah, you sound yeah. like an asshole. So I just have to con- just sit here continuing, knowing how to pronounce things properly. <laughs> exactly. uh, so, Lidecker and Shelby, Waldo and Shelby, beautiful names. Um, they don't like each other. Uh, nope.
1: Because they both love Laura.
0: They do, but they also seem like well. I guess they didn't really know each other previous to, But that the when they uh, meet each other in that and uh, during that event, like after Vincent Price just like kills it with Laura, is charming. He's like, you know, I'm I'm an actual hunk, and
1: not you know, like this other old guy, not like yeah. this geezer over here. Yeah,
0: he didn't like that. I'm Shelby Carpenter. Want to dance?
1: I'm not alone. Oh, him? <laughs> I bet he's still doing the polka. Excuse me, please. Yes. But Betsy Ross taught it to me. Hello, girl. <laughs> darling, how Hello, are you? Darling. You've met Bye. Shelby. Hello. Unavoidably.
0: He was awfully nice to me in Louisville at the Derby. His family's from Kentucky. Sharecroppers, no doubt. <laughs> but I thought he handled it well, Lidecker. He, he always handles himself well.
1: Yeah, I think it's that maybe that gentleman aspect of him, or at least he tries to give the appearance that he's more of a gentleman. And I, and I think he kind of, at least yes. somewhat... It seems like lost. he's scheming. He, I think he's scheming. I, I yes. think it's like he, he, in his mind, like he sees it's happening in real time. Like there's different sequences where, like, he sees them together, and he's kind of, and then the camera pans over. And he's just kind of sitting there on the sidelines, and you can, you get that sense that, like, maybe in the back of his mind, he might be thinking something about, you know, how to, you know, win her back or try to, you know, extricate him from her, from, from Vincent Price. You know, he might have all these schemes or ideas going on. He's up to something, which is yeah.
0: not what a true gentleman does that's not what gentleman joey does
1: nope or mr dan or mr (laughs) or mr shelby uh, this one
0: um so at this point uh we finally the detective detective dana andrews this fucking turd he questions laura's housekeeper you know very good friends loyal bessie clary
1: she, and she's all over the place. I mean, Bessie, she is, she's she's very frantic a lot. Yes.
0: Oh my god! When uh, jumping ahead, but like I don't know, I'll wait for it. But yes. uh, but I know but, what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's peak Bessie. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: <laughs> and boy, I can't wait for that sound clip. She uh, she's the one who found Laura. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The body. Mm-hmm. The the faceless body. Yes so she's pretty fucked up so it's understandable why bessie is acting like bessie is
1: right and apparently they were very close and work and she's worked for laura for a long time so it's you know it's basically like a family member almost you know yeah and <laughs> looking we, like that it's it's pretty we, horrific we,
0: we've seen laura coming up the ranks rising up through the ranks too so you know you got to believe that she was cool with the help for sure mm. um and at this point um and mcpherson is just been he's doing his detective work and he's getting deep in the letters mm-hmm. and her diary and he's, he's, he's getting...
1: just spending time in her apartment all the yeah. time and they and, and you and you start to see it and they start to really allude to the fact that he you know he's looking at her painting and he's really getting you know engrossed in her work in her life and he starts to kind of he seems very detached early on but then you notice this change in him where he really starts to fall in love with her you start to get that sense throughout the film and it just keeps rising and rising with more time he kind of spends in her world in her life
0: i I like the beginning and middle to the middle of this movie so much like the just how it builds up and and i don't necessarily believe that like his love of her just because dana andrews is a bad actor at this point but story-wise that i'm being told that that's the case like everything around it with laura's looming presence just both through story and the painting like I love how they build that up. I love that he's yes. kind of falling in love with someone who's not even there. I think that's one of the most brilliant things about this movie.
1: I agree. Yeah. I. I. I that is exactly the point. I, I. think it's that. Yes. That is what you're supposed to get from this, but he doesn't give that off. And whether no. whether whether that is intentional or just Dana Andrews not being a, a good actor in that sense of, of of portraying that, yeah. That's that's tough to say. But I agree that he doesn't really show that outwardly or, or do a good performance of showing that he's really falling in love with her and, and i don't know i don't know maybe that's a character flaw maybe of the character itself maybe it's just he's so hard-boiled and so just like grizzled by this this world that you know he doesn't necessarily like give off that vibe he doesn't even seem that hard-boiled to me he, you know well they do he's do, too they, entranced in his baseball game well they do talk about how i mean when he first meets Lidecker, Lidecker figures out from his name. He said, "Wait a second, you're that guy that took on all those gangsters by yourself okay. and like and got injured by it." So they at least allude to the fact that in the past he has this very like gritty like, you know, he he like is not afraid to 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 get his hands dirty and go in and almost be like a hero or be this this, you know, this lone wolf kind of guy. So I wonder if if again, that that's and that's why I thought maybe again, it it partly is part of it is probably he's just not good at acting it, but I I think part of it might be that part of the character might be that way too. It could be a little bit of both that he's just really not, you know, one to maybe outwardly show his emotions in that sense. Then I
0: think it failed at showing just kind of that he was so kind of grizzled. um, Yeah. By that, I think that was sort of a glossed over thing. um, Mm -hmm. The the gangster fight, because that's an interesting point that just I missed completely. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you you need more of that kind of tenderness and and warming up and, and chiseling away at the ice to to really yeah. sell that. I think, because it is so conceptually interesting, um, and it, it's it's so much so that you're able to kind of look
1: past the the failure performance and still go along for the ride, and, and it's still very believable. Yeah, I mean he does keep that pretty consistent throughout, even even through the end of the film. You know whether it helps or hurts his his case. You know when he eventually does make an arrest or an alleged arrest for her murder or for the culprit, um, which we'll get to later. But, you know, he does keep up that same, that's, it's that same like even where he doesn't really show a lot of necessarily like affection or anything like that. Yeah. Which is interesting. Totally.
0: Um, one of my favorite Vincent Price lines was that uh, where he goes like, I don't know a lot
1: about anything, but I know a little about practically everything. That is a really good line. I did, that's a I perfect did like that. line. Yep so yeah, seems he's like a car salesman or something like a used car salesman a little bit in a way just like the way he portrays it. he's just like this really very really like kind of like slick kind of guy you know yeah
0: absolutely um which may just be how vincent price was but you know that's you, you, sometimes you hire these actors because you're hiring them based off of who they are um yeah. sometimes you get a Dana andrews sometimes you get a vincent price you know sometimes they're in the same movie <laughs> so at, at this point mcpherson he's kind of he's getting deeper to the the case um he yeah, says at one point, uh, "When the dame gets killed, she doesn't worry about how she looks." And so, yeah, as he's becoming more obsessed with her, uh, he goes. He's at Laura's apartment and he falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch this, this is kind of confusingly put in there because the way they make the, the dream—you know, this little water over the yes, the lens or whatever—it it, it kind of makes it seem like what's happening is a dream. Yes, uh,
1: it's which, very confusing.
0: It's very confusing. You're waiting for that to kind of like. It, it sort of doesn't help sell the fact that when Laura comes back uh, and she turns out not to be dead, mm. you know, it takes away from that because you're like, is this a dream? Right. Uh, yeah.
1: It, that is interesting. I, I feel like they probably could have done a better job of, of not trying to overstate the fact that he fell asleep, you know, and, and, and create that, that potential confusion that it might be a dream or maybe that was, maybe that was intentional. I, I don't it's know. A, it's a weird intent. I've seen this yeah. movie
0: three times. Um, once this this morning before recording, and then honestly, I, I saw it again uh, for the first time in a while, like a couple months ago, like not that long ago. Um, wow. So it, it was still semi fresh on my mind, and and yeah, it, it, every time that happens, I'm just like, it's a dream sequence? What's up?
1: Yeah, it's very very bizarre. Um, very bizarre. maybe so maybe sorry, maybe that's sorry if you got hoodwinked by that, listeners. Yeah, like now that I'm thinking about it, like I wonder if that really is the device of you know it kind of everyone's kind of in it, i i think maybe just as shocked as he would be or anybody would be you know you're expecting this whole first half of this movie that she's dead and then she just walks in yeah um so i guess maybe it's just to to give it that dream like feel i think that, it
0: might have like, been like a way to show that he felt had fallen asleep like it's, right. it, and it's a cool effective way of doing that but maybe you don't have your most important scene of the entire film right. immediately afterwards where you could closely it, yeah yeah
1: that's because laura's
0: alive um and things start cooking from here uh Mm -hmm. gene tierney walks in alive and well
1: where where was she she was at her she has another house out in the country and she she needs some time away because she was i guess we should probably mention that she was uh engaged to marry vincent price in in the film and then she was unsure about it um so she said i need i need some time to go out into the country and, and kind of reflect on it and get away from everything. So yes. she went away and kind of like they did in
0: um, the Ninja Turtles movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They needed, they needed to escape and they went to that, that country home and, and waited it out and then came back.
0: Northampton, Massachusetts.
1: Is that where that was?
0: Yeah. I don't know if that's where they filmed it, but that's like always where it was. Cause that's where the creators ended up living and I
1: don't know
0: a good thing, actually, um, uh, when they first were doing the turtles, like around the the second issue, they lived one town over from where I grew up in Connecticut, oh wow, and I'm from like middle of nowhere Connecticut, so that's very fascinating to me, yes, and I kind of wonder if like I mean obviously the nation was taken by turtles, but I wonder if like my particular area, if we were all so into it because it was like, hey, we know these guys hey th- hey, I know that ta- I know that that town. guy from the grocery store <laughs> they're making turtles, it's your uh
1: Sharon. It's,
0: yeah. Sharon, Connecticut. I didn't. That's cool. Is, is the town. I'm from Cornwall, Connecticut. Hello. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm a
1: gentleman. You're putting it on the map. Yes. For once. Exactly. If, if not for the, t- the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, you'll, you'll be doing it.
0: It's true. Uh, and the person who was on Baywatch that went to my school, apparently. Oh, there's someone. I know this from Wikipedia. I don't know this from life or lore. Interesting. A little bit. Whoopi Goldberg lived there at one point wow michael j fox i cut him in line buying a tomato as a kid
1: oh really yeah did he yell at you
0: Nah, he's cool <laughs> that's good yeah he was like we don't want you to uh you know fall out of love with the upcoming spin city i think this or, was or, or, years or doc, hollywood. doc hollywood doc <laughs> hollywood is probably exactly <laughs> around the time when this was yeah yeah love it love the doc doc dan dr
1: dan Dr. Dan? Dr. Detroit. Has, has that been done before? Dr. Dan? I feel like the, for whatever reason about my name, people always add things to it. Like it's a
0: very, I guess. Like I just want I know I'm only forcing it now because I'm a gentleman and I want you. Yeah,
1: no, I, I mean, at this point, I'm not, yeah, I'm not phased by it, but it happens all the time. Like it's amazing, like how much people, they just won't call me Dan. Like they'll say, oh, it's, you know, Mr. Dan or, or, or Dapper Dan or, or Dan the man or, you no, know. I, you, I hate I, all of these. Like you get, I mean, and yeah, it doesn't bother me, but it's Yeah, just, the man's okay, but Dapper yeah. Dan, I, that's not a friend of mine. <laughs> I, I mean, first off, I'm not very Dapper, so yeah. um, it, it's not very, it's not very indicative of me, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, yeah, people tend to kind of ask stuff around my name. Oh, they, well, they'll do that with any name because people will drop, I'm a
0: Joey, but they'll drop that Y in a heartbeat, even though I never asked that. Clearly, I'm giving you my preferred name when I've introduced myself to you.
1: Yeah yeah that and that's the other thing too yeah if, if someone if you you know out really say like uh, you introduce yourself as his name and then they call you that and like it's not like a friend a close friend that you're like okay that's that's fine like close uh, friends will do it family i my, my family doesn't call me joey either. Like, hey joe okay? oh really I'm, I'm just this person to you okay
0: you're like hey they're trying to force it they've been trying to force that on me forever they don't understand the why like they thought it was a temporary thing but it's like you called me that how, that's how i know myself
1: yeah I, that's that's interesting because it's the opposite i think for me i think i have family and extended family that that call me danny i was gonna no, ask if they go the opposite Exactly, and it's the exact same thing like i never go by danny at all and it's, like, it's not something i prefer to go by but people still do it and i'm i'm relatively tolerant of it but i, I think it, it sometimes it can get to me if, if people consistently call me a lot in a row i'm like all right like you how can- about
0: last name do they get that right you get consistent last name
1: Uh, it's very hit or miss. I think it's very 50-50. Some people do. And I've also thought about going by my initials because my initials are DJ. So, um, like the only person that calls me DJ is my dad does sometimes, but he's literally the only person that calls me that. So what's your dad's name? Mike. Okay.
0: I don't know if you were a junior or something.
1: No, no, me nor my brother are juniors.
0: Good. That's a good family right there. Well, adjusted, (laughs) never trust a junior or someone willing to inflict that upon their seed.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that.
0: I have two N's in my last name, and they're centered by a T, but people love to drop at least one of them. So it's a Gatner or a Ganter. Yeah. Gardner, I get a lot. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I don't see that at all. It makes perfect sense to me when you look at it.
1: Ganter. Well, I mean, I get I get people like... Because people do things like that. Not not that I agree with it, but in a sense that, like, okay, yeah, yeah, people. I feel like people are so just like quick to just look at it and be like, oh yeah, it's 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 ganner. I don't like, I
0: don't know if it's because of that or just in general. I mean, I get so paranoid where like I will triple check a last name before I even commit to it. You know, spelling, especially like again, I don't do know it. if that's just based on experience or just because it makes sense. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, that's the affirmation I was looking for this entire time.
1: <laughs> laura's fucking alive, man. Yeah, dude. And, and I love that part of the investigation, and, it, and I think it is helpful, is literally Dana Andrews going around and trying to show that she's still alive and like get, and see the reactions of, of people. that. Dude, are close oh, my to God, her. that's
0: my favorite. Oh, yeah. So first off, uh, Who Died was one of Laura's models uh, that she designed for Diane
1: Redfern, which is a great name. Who um, was she, seen with, with, with Vincent Price. They had been kind of having a little side yes, thing. Yes,
0: yes. Um, so she got shot right in the face. Um, talk about a face-off, huh? Yeah, oh boy. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Dana was just, like, keeps springing her up, like, hey, guess who's alive? Like, every time someone comes over, and it's so good, um, especially when it's uh, Bessie's, because Bessie, yes. poor, poor Bessie, freaks the fuck out. And, like, there's no reason to do this to Bessie. Like, it's a sure thing she saw a dead body. Like, she was the one who called it in. Like, leave she Bessie in alone. Oh! That's all right, really really so
1: It's all been a mistake, Bessie. I'm not a ghost, really. Oh, I found you and you did. And, like, and it's almost like, D- like Dana Andrews is, like, not in like a joking way, but like he's really set, setting it up and selling it. Like they're in the, uh, Dan Andrews and Gene Tierney in the kitchen and they're having this whole sequence where like they're talking about who's going to make breakfast and blah, blah, blah. blah. And then they kind of hear some rustling and they notice that it's probably her coming in. So Dan Andrews like hides behind the door. <laughs> it's like, it's like almost like a surprise party. That oh, totally. He's like, oh shit, wait, hold on.
0: Like hide behind the door. They're going to love this. They're going to love this. Yeah, I mean. it's, like, it's We great. just did it to you, but we're going to do it to someone else now. It's going to be it's, horrifying. Yeah. I, Poor Liedekerer, sees it and he starts to faint. Um, I mean, for other reasons we find out later on. But
1: yeah, yeah, that. that and then man. they have a party. They have a party yeah. right after. And they're that. like, "Ah, oh, Laura's not dead."
0: Party, which yeah, I, Laura's not dead. Party. You know, I kind of understand, but boy, oh boy, maybe take a nap or something, let things cool down. But what a, what a thing to just disappear and be like, "Oh, everyone thought I was dead, huh?" That it's that bad. word never made it back. But I mean, I guess it was just so airtight,
1: faceless woman. It made sense. I think everyone, I think they were just really excited. And like I said, I, I think uh, obviously like, I mean, Lidecker uh, after he kind of comes to, he's like, Oh, I'm calling around all the people to tell him that she's alive and we're going to get together. And Dan Andrews like, Oh, I've already done that. So like, yeah. I feel like this is all part of like this underlying plan where like, I, I think Dan Andrew at least tries to give off this vibe where he's always like one step ahead, you know, or yeah. at least he like, you know, he he's, he's getting very close and he's, you know, he's, it's on, it's basically on the tip of his tongue that he's he's going to find, you know, who the culprit is for this murder and who it is
0: his whole performance could be summed up by tip of his tongue it's a very tip of his tongue performance uh yes know. uh so you know he, he seems like he's one step ahead but he's like a step or two behind he arrests laura for the for the murder of the model
1: mm-hmm.
0: but uh after questioning her he's, he's pretty convinced that uh, she's innocent and that he likes her
1: yes and Puts the the bright lights on her
0: yeah she doesn't love shelby because you know she she ran off to not marry him
1: And I guess we should also mention that, you know, there was a sidebar at the party where you get a little bit more of a sense of the relationship between uh, Laura's aunt and Vincent Price, where he, where she really wants to be with him and says like, Oh, you know, run away with me. We'll go wherever. And she's really trying to, you know, pull him away from Laura and he, he wants nothing to do with it. I mean, as much as he's had a side thing with her, he's just like, you know, I'm, I'm good.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like you'll probably put up with this anyways. I can keep getting away with this nonsense.
1: And even she tries to, to lobby with Laura saying, like, oh, I, I want him. Like, he's, he's the bad type of guy, but he's my bad type of guy. <laughs> and I'm bad, too. And, and she really tries to sell this to get Vincent Price. Yeah, but unfortunately, everyone is just mismatched. Yes. You got to sure. keep spinning that bottle. Yep. Uh, there's also a clock that we should mention. Yes, definitely um, it becomes a big thing that there's, this guy has two identical clocks, Lidecker, Lidecker. And, he, and he gifts one to, to Laura. So it's in her apartment and one in his apartment. And he finds out there's a secret compartment too. Yes. Danny Andrews does. Cause yes. he's, he's he's uh, he goes to a little little detective apartment. work. The detective. Yes. He's actually doing some detective work and he goes yes. to Lidecker's apartment. And I don't know how he thinks that that like, like how he arrives at this thing. He added this entire apartment. He walks in and he's just, and he just so happens to stand right by this, this clock and he's like, you know what? There's probably a secret compartment under this clock that is hiding a secret.
0: Yeah, instead of just being like, oh, you probably saw like a clock sale and got one for Laura, you know, like half off yeah. or something. Right. Yeah, that, that one he was And you know? he kicks it in.
1: He kicks it in and, and finds that nothing's in there, but he thinks, oh wait, there's a, an identical one in Laura's apartment. Let me go back and check it. Mm-hmm. Uh, his partner, he has a partner,
0: uh, a detective partner mm-hmm. who I did like, maybe they should have switched roles. Um, they have the, the phone tap phone they show, which is like really kind of gigantic. That was really fun to see.
1: That is a that is a fun phone. Yeah, he's, like, he's kind of hanging out in the basement and, and, and listening in on the calls. And, yes. And, and over and here's I mean, even though he tells Laura to not contact anyone initially, you know, he's kind of tapping the phones and kind of learns out that there is some connection between, you know, Vincent Price and, and Gene Tierney. But what he comes to find out is it, it doesn't really materialize to what maybe Dan Andrews thought it was. Like yes. he doesn't really sense that there's like this, bigger plot that you know that they're in cahoots that there's this whole other side thing that gene Tierney is somehow involved in it and
0: it was great because he learned laura was like still alive like from hearing the phone tap and like didn't seem that surprised but i guess he was kind of already learning some things himself from the tap sure yeah yeah. uh so mcpherson goes back to laura's apartment uh, and lidecker is there hmm. and uh lidecker gets his lidecker jealousy juice is cooking on. yeah he gets,
1: it, gets it on
0: he Gets it on. And he's bit, you know, he he gets a little saucy with his language as he does because he's the master insulter. Laura says, "Get the fuck out," Uh, but stops him at the stairwell outside. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, McPherson is examining the clock and finds the shotgun that killed Diane. Sawed-off shotgun.
1: Sawed-off, or it's a very small, smaller type of shotgun.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, lady shotgun. (laughs) Well, that was a shotgun. It uh, it was not a lady because Vincent. It was Vincent Price's, wasn't it? Or at least it was at the. That cabin or whatever.
1: So those are two different guns. So oh, okay. so so there's the longer shotgun that was a, that was a hunting shotgun that was at the the, the country home of Laura uh-huh. uh, that Vincent Price had gifted to her as protection for her when she was there by herself. She didn't want it, and he didn't even know that she if she could shoot a gun. So I think that was part of you know Dana Andrews kind of figuring out that like she probably had nothing to do with the murder, actual murder because she probably doesn't even know how to shoot the gun. Um, but there's a second gun. And I think that was just Lydecker's gun. Like, he Lidecker's obviously, gun. obviously, I mean, we're going to get to it now, but he's the one, the the murderer. But yeah, because I guess he wasn't
0: very, like, it wasn't very well thought out. It was more just like, oh, I did this and now I got to hide this. He's, he's got to hide the gun. It wasn't, I don't know. I mean, I, it, I guess it was premeditated, but it wasn't, like, premeditated. Like, it wasn't super thought out.
1: Right. He didn't have all the details of, of maybe the escape or the Beyond way Beyond just, like, and, jealousy
0: yeah. and I need to go shoot her in the face.
1: Yeah, literally, he, he, he kills her, and then hides out, waits for everybody, Vincent Price to, to run out, and then he runs back in, hides the gun, and then leaves and just walks away from it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go make a bath, probably.
1: Yeah, and write, write a scathing uh, article <laughs> about somebody.
0: Yes, the, the bubble maker, probably.
1: <laughs> so at this point, we know Lidecker was the murderer
0: um, and that he was trying to shoot Laura's face. McPherson locks Laura into her apartment saying, don't let anyone in but then Lidecker is, is there. Laura turns on the radio and Lidecker's voice is speaking. And then, so he's snooping in with the gun. Mm-hmm. Then he turns off the radio and he goes, hello. And uh, there's a nice scare that he gives because of that, which Laura kind of deserves just from scaring everybody being like, I'm not dead. Blah.
1: Yeah. And now suddenly it's Lidecker's turn.
0: Yes, it's Lidecker's turn to get Deckard. So he's, yeah, he's like, if I can't have you, no one can because I loves you. And he, he uh, gets shot down by McPherson's sergeant.
1: Yes. It's a really yeah. interesting scene because you think that, like, since, he, you know, Dan Andrews is supposed to be like the, you know, the protagonist, like the, you know, the main cop. And he isn't the one that actually shoots him. And, and Gene Tierney runs out of, the, out of the way and runs instantly at him. And then you see this other guy come out with their gun and, and shoot him yeah Um, which is interesting it's just a real man gets it done right that's what i'm wondering like it it was interesting i mean it makes sense because obviously she would run to him because there's that that love connection thing but like i I think it's just interesting that typically you find like the hero is the one that like oh he's the one that shoots her and then she comes to him and then oh everything's everything's wonderful you know what i mean like it just seemed like the dual idea of like all right the one guy's shooting him and then she's going directly to him it's not just all of dan andrew doing everything Uh, i just found that interesting
0: expectations are defied the entire time. I mean, that's one of the compliments to give the movie, for sure. A lot of misdirection. Yeah. So Lydic is dead, and his last words are, Goodbye, Laura.
1: Goodbye, my love. And you have the haunting Laura's theme throughout the entire movie, and it's, it's right there, too. And I, I love it. I mean, it's one of my favorite... Perfect themes theme. of all film noir, it's just a great melody and- It is a good uh, theme of a alleged film noir. Yes, definitely.
0: One of the uh, lines I liked that I forgot to mention was, haven't you heard of science's newest triumph, the doorbell? The doorbell, that is a good one. <laughs>
1: The writing um, is very strong in this film. If if for nothing very much else, so. yeah, the writing is very strong.
0: Very very strong, both in plot and dialogue. It's all there. Um, like because like I say, I mean, it, it's a great movie. It's just it's how it's sold that really bothers me. And it, and the main actors. I, I my note was that I don't feel anything for Laura in the middle. It's really that her innocence in the beginning and her vulnerability at the end that make me feel sympathy for. Her. Like it's it yeah. so well. Like when she's kind of a, a, a character through story, mm-hmm. and then just like I don't know her fear and just everything kind of being confronted to her is a better performance than what we get in the middle.
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting because I mean, I think she is, I mean, she does kind of light up the screen. Like she is beautiful and she just like, and, and she's at the center of this, of this film. I mean, even um, there's, it's, there's a a film fact on the back of the, the Blu-ray that says Ooh. Daryl F. Zanuck. The legendary studio chief at Twentieth Century Fox called Laura Star Jean Tierney the most beautiful woman in movie history. Wow. I mean, granted, that was in 1944. At that point, but still, yeah, but I mean, like some some babes by that point, so. right? So I, I think it's just like it, it is a testament to you know I think Jean Tierney has this idea of like almost like this just has this this present this certain presence about her, and even the way there's one, there's one shot in particular that I really liked through flashback montage with her and Lidecker where she's kind of sitting above him and he's sitting there reading to her reading an article and she's kind of sitting above him and she's like smoking, but the cameras kind of pointed up at her and she's also physically above him. And it's just, it's just a wonderful shot. I, I think it's just like, it really lets her really shine. And, yeah. and, and, and I feel like just her presence is everywhere. Even when she's not there, the pe- the painting, everything, that presence is there. She's I think that, and
0: that's a testament to Otto Preminger who we didn't really compliment enough during this. I mean, direction is, is phenomenal. Great. Yes. Every, every instinct of his was proven right of why he took over this production. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's just that like that presence is so well captured and directed. It's able to kind of make up for a lot of the shortcomings in performance. Mm -hmm. But again, a lot of that was just because of, of how evergreen these stars were, I think. Um, at least in her case, where I'm more familiar with her work.
1: I love, I mean, I, I think I said it at the beginning, but I mean, I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorites. Definitely recommend it. I, I feel like this is a movie, you know, like you said, it, you feel like it kind of walks a line a little bit between like, you know, if it, is it film noir or is it more just like a murder mystery kind of, you know, even like a love, <laughs> you know, kind of drama. But um, I, I feel like for that reason too, I feel like it's a good movie just in its own right. Like I feel as far as like, you know, even if you're not necessarily a huge film noir fan, it's got it's got so much that i think can kind of draw you into it you know even just the murder mystery itself where you're like the whole time you're kind of guessing like you think you know who it is but there's you know there's always going to be like some type of twist or you know you're still, it's a who done it in a sense that you're really trying to figure out you know who this is and that alone i think can kind of keep you drawn in uh to the movie because like i mean i hadn't seen it in a little time and i, I kind of know what happens but even as i'm watching it, i'm like wow who, who who really did this like, like yeah like i'm, I'm still in for the ride and 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 I think it's a great reason, ride um
0: yeah. but it really is just how it framed um which yeah. we're also guilty of because we're a film noir podcast and we're like watch this noir movie it is i mean i i can't deny that it is but it's just so loose um mm-hmm. that i think expectations can get in the way mm-hmm.
1: and you really should just be alone for the ride of just a great great little mystery I think I just became so entranced with Laura, just like everybody else did. I think that's that's my 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 fault, you know. <laughs> there you go. You're, look, you're looking at your goddamn pocket baseball when you need to be looking at the prize. Exactly.
0: Uh, I also liked at the end, uh, the the end where it said war bonds, buy yours in this theater.
1: Yes, yes. Um, at, well, at the time, also around that time, Jean Tierney was she was married to. He was a costume designer. Um, and he actually had joined the the military as well because it was right around you know middle of World War II. And she actually went around to different and did different campaigns for the war as well. I mean, whether that was something under contract or something out of her own will, I think that was at least something that she did want to do. So I think you know, in context of that too, I mean, obviously that you know the the idea of the war kind of looming. Um, sure. There actually is a um, there's a note. I didn't wa- I don't know if I've actually watched this version, but on the Blu-ray version, there is a um, extended version where they actually cut out part of it that at the time they thought that was not necessarily, I'd say like anti-war effort, but they felt like you know, the audience wouldn't react very well to some of the, some of the content of it, um, which yeah, I thought was it, interesting. That content
0: actually, I, I think it was even in the version that I watched. Um, it's really more just that they were, it was uh, how Lydecker was like buying things for Laura. Yes. And
1: yes. They,
0: they just didn't want the people who would be watching overseas to kind of feel bad that they were like, you know, living their lives not really giving a shit about the war. Exactly. So nothing nothing too major, in a, you know, it was like minutes, nothing major edited from the film that takes away from anything.
1: They were very wary of a lot of things back then, so. They were. I also liked at the beginning where it said like, the title,
0: Laura, and then it said like, by Vera Caspary. It's crazy the power these authors had at the time. I really love that.
1: I mean, they were so reliant on a lot of these books and these, you know, even just like pulp, Fiction kind of movies that yeah you know, I mean books that you know, they would uh use for the, the scripts because that's where they got a lot of their ideas. It, it, I feel like it's probably more rare that there's an original script of some you know screenwriter just straight up just writing these these you know original stories. A lot of times it was just somehow based on a book. Yeah. Um, in some at least in some capacity, it, how, however loose it, it might have been.
0: Totally. No, I mean I, I just really great. It's great where now you and Hollywood will try to erase that as soon as possible. So. Yeah really like credit for authorship it's a great thing totally. guys that's gonna do it for this episode go go see laura
1: yeah just i think it's, it's a good it's a good time
0: it's a great mystery of a time that's how we're selling it to you if you haven't watched it yet
1: and great pants great pants
0: yes great great pants high-waisted uh that's what we love here very wide i'm excited to see how high the waists go in our next film uh next week we were gonna do 1947's dark passage You won't tell me because you think I'll come there. You think I'd follow you. You'd be insane to follow me. Was I insane to pick you up on the road? Was I crazy to let you stay here? I thought I had a pretty good
1: life here, but your going away doesn't make it seem good anymore.
0: No, I've got the Indian sign on me. It seems I can't win.
1: I've sort of joined your team. Don't look forward to being without you.
0: When I leave here, you're off my team. Lucky to be. You're a guy with plenty of trouble. I have a trouble in the world. Don't tell me, brother. I know. Your trouble is women.
1: I've cried myself to sleep at night because of you. She's got you now. She wants you very badly, doesn't she?
0: She's willing to run away with you and keep on running and ruin everything for herself. But she doesn't have you now, and she'll never have you. Uh, I've not seen this film. Dan has. It was your recommendation. You're, you're, in, for, you're in for a wild
1: ride, man. I, this is our
0: Valentine's Day episode too, which I'm excited about.
1: It is bizarre. I will, that, that is probably the only description I could say. And it took me a couple watches to really get into it. But I feel like, you know, if this is gonna be your first time, I think watching multiple times definitely helps because it can get a little bit confusing, but okay. we'll get into it. But it's definitely, it's interesting. It's okay. definitely interesting.
0: All right. We got an interesting one. Uh, sometimes that's code for it sucks. So we'll find out.
1: Hey man, it's filmed in San Francisco. So I, <laughs> I and I, I think we talked about it before. I, I love, especially film noir shot in San Francisco, something about that locale. Um, so that for that point alone, for me, it's a, it's a good sell for me. I bet there's fog in it. I know, I know you like your fog. I do love fog. I'm, I don't, there might as not I've be. been editing these podcasts.
0: That's what I, I noticed <laughs> that I wish I kind of brought up early. Is like, this motherfucker loves fog. <laughs> I gonna, do love I'm fog. I'm going to
1: find you a good foggy movie. Hey man, I am, I am always down to watch a good foggy movie. I think, I think I have to blame Antonioni for that. Cause he, you know, he loves his fog too. And, and I, I'm a huge fan of his. So I, I feel like a lot of it comes from that, but it's a great device. Great device. It is a great device. Uh, and you've been a great device of an audience.
0: Uh, join us next time on the Fogcast. We'll see you next week. Later. Bye.